Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sci-Fi Unchained. Thank you all for joining in on the fun and speculation. And if you like the show, please join our social media and support us on Patreon at Sci-Fi Unchained Stories to help the channel grow. And thank you all for your avid listenership. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get into it. Welcome back to another special Sci-Fi Unchained episode of Conspiracy Corner. Now, this one is going to be about endless war as population control. Now, science fiction has a lot of stories that deal with governments exercising population control. Right? There's multiple examples in Star Wars, Soylent Green, uh, V for Vendetta, uh, a book called Make Room, Make Room, written by Harry Harrison, uh, which explores the consequences of both unchecked population growth on society and the hoarding of resources by a wealthy minority. Uh, there's The Wanting Seed, where there is uh, also active discrimination against heterosexuals, um, homosexuality being encouraged as a measure against overpopulation, and self-sterilization is also encouraged. And then, of course, there's the Forever War series by Joe Haldeman. Uh, I do like doing these Conspiracy Corner episodes because they're a way for me to pull the drain on a lot of terrible thoughts and flush them out by thinking them through uh, and sort of cathartically massaging them through the lens of science fiction to better understand them and maybe even enjoy them for a couple minutes. Now, what if the government only spends massive amounts of money, sends tens of thousands of soldiers to their deaths, leaving their surviving combat veterans to die in the streets with no help, never does anything about it, doesn't make any logical or reasonable moves to uh, innovate ways to improve quality of living, even for the general populace, because they are propagating, and most of the time instigating, wars and foreign conflicts as a means of population control. And at first, you think it may just be soldiers dying who are the sample size of the population that is being controlled and killed to meet this goal. But there are tens of thousands of soldiers whose lives are now ruined by war and trauma who have survived now uh, impact the lives of those around them when they come back home. And it could lead to things like familial bankruptcy, uh, depression by association, a hike in suicidality, all of which lead to people withering and dying because of their close ties to those soldiers. And now the death toll is in the hundreds of thousands. Now it starts looking like a conspiracy, right? Need more fuel for the mind-bending conspiracy fire? Let's dive in. So while it isn't... It, you know, so much science fiction as much as a military fiction-based game franchise, I can't help but think of the Metal Gear game series, where a shadowy organization called the Philosophers, headed by the Wise Man's Committee, 
made up of American, Russian, and Chinese branches. All controlled the world by steering it into the directions they wanted to better boost their war-made profits. And they would rake these in by creating endless amounts of distrust and conflicts worldwide. And this is actually a great segue into our uh, real-world global standing as countries, militaries across it stand with held breath as Russia readies for war, China advises ease and de-escalation, and America bolsters its support of European countries with soldiers and technical support. But thinking conspiratorially, let's not get ahead of ourselves here, but let's look back and, and see how we could have arrived here, right? Let's look back to post-World War II, where America had a surplus of military hardware and weapons. Well, what happened to these weapons? They were sold to allied countries, mostly, letting the government rake in quite a bit of money to rebuild its wartime infrastructure into a peacetime paradise. And economically, at least, the country was doing very well indeed. Factory districts in major cities across the country did incredibly well. Inflation was a mythical and barely realized thing until some decades later. But the government saw the profits they made from and after a major world war, and perhaps thought of a myriad of ways to keep those profits rolling in, using the now booming economic infrastructure that was built. The U.S. government would go on to become the biggest war profiteer in the world, selling billions in military surplus annually, even to today. Now, it had a quandary to contend with. Overpopulation. How could the government contend with its idea of overpopulation? Because there is a conflicting argument against that. There is only overpopulation in coastal cities where uh, the majority of the population gathers is its coastal uh, states and regions. There's not, I mean, I don't think that places like Kentucky, Arizona, and Nevada are just brimming with people. I, I don't think you find those states to be overflowing and uh, have a radical overpopulation problem that, say, New York, Los Angeles, or Houston might have. Now, how could the government contend with this idea of overpopulation? It was already very slow to fulfill its duty as a republic and tend to the needs of its people, but they weren't dying off as quickly as the government might have liked. It allowed for mass incarceration, but that still didn't dent the economic pressures and profit margins being eaten into. So how, how else could it export some American lives to the slaughterhouse of government control? Ah, export. There's the key word. They would use their connections with foreign countries that they would sell weapons and supplies to as a preamble for enough interest in that country, in those regions of those countries as well, that that was enough to deploy tens of thousands of soldiers 
in order to keep the peace and to squash any outlying forces that may impede on their business dealings. And then the idea grows. The conspiracy gets even bigger. What if, the government thinks to itself, we could make even more profit by encouraging conflicts in these regions consistently, deploying tens of thousands of more soldiers who we could put in the most difficult situations and stave off our overpopulation by dwindling down soldier by soldier. This idea would be exacerbated by the Gulf of Tonkin incident, a reported incident of the North Vietnamese uh, warships attacking U.S. warships unprovoked. And that was later found out to be untrue and that the U.S. went to war with the North Vietnamese and lost 58,220 soldiers in the span of about 11 years. But the U.S. didn't enter into a war on misinformation given by its sailors or by its enemies. It went to war with a country it did not need to, based on a lie that the government sold to the American people that the North North Vietnamese had attacked U.S. destroyers. What a perfect opportunity to exercise its favored war profiteering and population control, as well as stir up patriotic fervor among the general populace to gain their favor and land them solidly on the side of the government. But this is where the fun of the Metal Gear franchise comes into play, as the Vietnam War was widely seen as a Cold War proxy, a conflict between America, Russia, and China the three branch uh, government bodies of the philosophers and the wise man's committee. So overall, what would compel a government to want to send all of these soldiers to die? Not just war profiteering, political posturing, nation building, or strengthening their position amongst the countries of the world, but also an exercise of population control. Because who goes to war voluntarily? The bravest, strongest, most valiant of the population? Well, naturally. But all of these are very attractive traits to be found, not just in men, but women as well. And what kind of partner can hope to be found if all the brave and strong people, both in character as well as physique, have gone off to war? The pickings become thinner and fewer. Less and less children are born. This is proven uh, by the the naming of an entire generation, baby boomers. Because after World War II was over, everyone went nuts and had a ton of children because that's when all of our soldiers came home. (laughs) Um, And, I mean, that's why. We, we didn't have the baby boomer generation during World War II. All the warriors had come home. But what was the government's reaction to this new generation, this boom in population? Well, the answer is in the subsequent generations. The decline of the economic factors that greatly govern how these countries operate. Inflation skyrocketing outsourcing of labor and factory work. The government had lost control of its populace, so it needed other ways to mitigate. But again, 
this is all a wild conspiracy, though there may be a grain of truth in there somewhere. Yeah, so government using endless war as population control. And not just using the, the killing of its soldiers or the deaths of its soldiers to do that because it's not nearly uh, as many people as the government would need it to be to make it a to, to make it a worthwhile endeavor. If you look at just the Vietnam War where a little over 58,000 soldiers died, stack that against 300 million people it's not a very large number. You're barely moving the needle, right? I mean, 58,000 people could have been born in just four or five years, if, if less than that. But look back a little further, right? We had all of... All of the great, brave, proud, and strong individuals gone off to war in World War II. So no one was really having kids. <laughs> not, not in the measurable numbers that they did after World War II. So the, the government surely recognized that, right? They got maybe the numbers from the... Um, the Census Bureau, and they said, okay, well, here's here's where they spike after these years, and here's where they dip uh, considerably after these, and what happened during those years? Maybe we could, maybe we could replicate some of the, uh, some of the factors of those years to, to get the population to where we need it to be, so the country, at least in the government's eyes, can operate at an optimum efficiency. There's not too many, there's not too few. It's just right. And it's a terrifying thing to consider. Surely. But as has been proven time and again, these terrifying things sometimes are true. I mean, uh, the Gulf of Tonkin incident was uh, proven to be false. It, it, uh, the government used false information to lead us into a war. A war that the United States didn't need to fight. And that's not, that part isn't part of the conspiracy. That part has actually been proven to be true. Although Nothing really came about after that. Nothing happened. There, there were no repercussions after that revelation, which I think is equally as scary. But that's all I have time for today, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in, and stick around for more Sci-Fi Unchained. But for now, live long and prosper, my friends, and may the Force be with us all.